When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Larry, do you mind getting off my belly a bit? Dude, sorry, man. Sorry. I was just, I'm actually, I'm looking at what you're doing. How are you getting the assets straight from the website actually in Unreal so fast? That's, I don't understand. I'm glad you asked, Larry. This week, especially, Quixel just released two amazing programs. They released the Quixel Bridge and the Quixel Mixer. The bridge allows you to import all their photogrammetry textures and assets straight to Unreal, straight to Unity at a click of a button. The mixer allows you to make custom textures. And the beta is out, man. The official is out for you to try this now as long as you subscribe. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean custom textures, though? Like, I thought it was already they give you textures. They give you textures, but they allow you to mix and make your own textures. So this gives you more variety and combinations than ever before. Uh, okay, sweet. Yeah. So how do I get that? You get that by using our GDU special code, right? So in the Megascans website, as you are checking out, enter GDU in the checkout and you get the first three months, 30% off, Larry. Even a designer like yourself can start (laughs) using (laughs) Mixer and Bridge to make art, man. Amazing. Don't have to stick to Minecraft anymore. But... If you want to directly support us, you can go over to our patreon.com forward slash game dev unchained. What kind of goodies do we have for those guys? Well, first off, I always like giving a shout out to the discord crew. Thank you every month, every week, every day for holding us down in discord. So definitely Patreon supporters or not check us out on discord there. Uh, Gamedevunchained.com. You can see the discord link there now. For the people who are just a little extra awesome, a little more player from the Himalaya, you can see every Wednesday we do Life Unchained, where Brandon and I will drop a video talking about what it's like being a game developer in the game industry. It could be a personal short video, or it can be a tutorial. It could be a walkthrough, something related to our lives as game developers. Every Wednesday we're doing that. Also, we play games too. And, you know, obviously I'm better than Brandon at games, but, you know, every now and then mm-hmm. we play games together on game stream. Thank you. So <laughs> what we do there is we play games. Uh, the last game we were playing together is a way out. We still haven't got out of prison. We should probably finish that. We and should finish that, yeah. we release that so you guys can laugh along as we struggle to be teammates and partners in that co-op game. And then once that game's done, we're going to move on to the next one. So it's always fun. It's always online. And it's only for the Patreon supporters. It's just a little extra juicy content. Again, the Patreon is not to buy stuff. It's more so that... We we appreciate that you give us funding to help us get guests, to help us travel, to help us get this new audio equipment and the stuff that we've been using to get our production value up. And in response to your financial contributions, we release all this extra content. So it's it's a thank you from us, really, is what it is. Yes. And an extra thank you from us. This month, we have reinstated our monthly giveaway. God hey. of War PS4 Come on. is being given away to anyone that shares, drops a like, uh, just tagging us in any of the social formats like uh, Facebook or Twitter. Just let us know 
and you are entered into our raffle and we will send you a copy of God of War PS4. Anyone who wants a second copy of that game, just like us, <laughs> share us, <laughs> whatever. Let the people know. All right. And just we'll make sure you. you tag us in the post. Exactly. And uh, that's it. Is there well, anything else? Yeah, there's one last thing. I love this part of the advertising. It's for anyone who's made it this far and has still decided that, you know what, maybe they're not ready to give us any sort of financial contributions. That's completely fine. We are the giving ones. We have something great to give you. It is this week's free episode of Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Game Dev Unchained podcast, the number one podcast for video game development stories and the lifestyle thereof. And here to help me make sure that we bring this podcast to you every Tuesday morning, every week, nonstop, rain or shine, it is the person I know who introduced me to coconut milk or coconut water, <laughs> Mr. Brandon Fam. Yes, that was coconut water, Larry. <laughs> this is Brandon Fam. Welcome to this week's episode. Also, spring with me a special guest, Galen Davis. Hey, hey. I'm not, I'm not a fan of coconut water. I don't know if that like. <laughs> <laughs> That's just time to do this episode, or you haven't spent hey. enough time with Brandon yet. After a jog, he's like, yeah. coconut water is magic. <laughs> yes, it was Fair my enough, regenerative man. drink, but. Regardless if you like it or not, we are happy to have you. All right. Yeah. And so this is the part of the podcast. As you know, the drill, uh, we would like to know a little bit about you. What makes you so awesome? <laughs> it's tall order. Um, let's see. So, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I'm on this podcast uh, because I, I did work in development and everything. Um, so I am uh, an environment artist by trade. So, um I've worked kind of in the games industry across like a couple different studios working on uh, mobile to AAA titles and all types of stuff. Um, so I just wrapped up my involvement on the God of War title as an environment artist on that project. Um, thanks. <laughs> Super fun project to be a part of for sure. Um, and then I got uh, swooped up by the guys at Quixel. So been kind of working with the Megascans team and um, it's been awesome. So, yeah. So uh, a little history, well, slight recent history. So I met Galen over at the Nordic <laughs> party. We were introduced through Daniel, our, our Quixel mm-hmm. friend over there. And of course, Dan, um, Galen's over at Quixel as well. And uh, a little bit of synchronicity here. Like Galen went to the same college as we did, Larry. All right. Uh, and yeah, maybe Galen should go into that. Let's start from the beginning, Galen. Like, where, (laughs) yeah, no, where did this all This was the weirdest thing. It's like, so we're hanging out at the Nordic party and everything, and then come to find out we all went to the same school, and I started just like name dropping people. And so I'm like, Brandon, like, I don't know, man, I don't think you went to this school because like (laughs) we're hanging out in all the same labs, like, we're talking to the same people, all this kind of stuff. And we just apparently never spoke to each other once. Yeah. I don't know how that's possible. I have yeah. No idea. So, well, small world, but it's becoming we, really clear that one of us is in the cool group and the other wasn't. <laughs> in the cool group, there was a cool group at AI. Oh, there we go. Well, of course, AI oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, quick question: I was in the loser group, apparently. Year? What years did you go? Yeah, uh, let's see, I graduated us. in 2011. I guess is when I graduated. Yeah, so okay. you we graduated in 2007. So your your class okay. is probably after ours. 
So we probably gotcha. knew like the transitional people, you know, the this yeah. the dropouts and the <laughs> that this, just stayed longer. Totally. Our freshmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, the dropouts are the most successful people I know in exactly. games. So exactly. <laughs> so that, starting yeah. in college, so was it uh, through recommendation, referral? Like, how did you find out about the college? What was the setting off point for you to go into the game industry or wanting to learn about the game industry? Um, well, I mean, I think I've always kind of like been interested in art, just kind of in general. Um, and always loved games specifically. So, um, I think at some point it probably took me way too long to figure this out, but probably sometime middle school, high school, I realized that games didn't come from the North pole and <laughs> that people actually get paid to like make these things. And so I, I thought like, Hey, I should probably figure that out. Um, you know, and then just kind of like the first time I ever saw anything in 3D, it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to be a part of it and everything. And so uh, I lived in Colorado for a long time. That was where I was born and raised um, and kind of decided I want to leave. <laughs> um, I liked it there a lot. Like Colorado is wonderful, um, but kind of wanted something a little bit different. And I knew that California was a big hub, obviously, for games. Um, so I packed up my little car and went to AI. So wow, studied game art and design. So it was, it was awesome. It was a really great time. I mean, like, I mean, school itself was kind of whatever, but I mean, the connections and everything that you make, you know, with the people that are there, I mean, those are friendships that have lasted for the entirety of the time that I've spent like in development. You know, I still hang out with all the same people that I graduated with, you know, that are successful and everything. So it's really cool. I mean, that's, that's the reason to go to college. (laughs) Right. Case in point, man, I've been joined at the hip, as they say, I mean, we've worked together three times, three different companies. We've started mm-hmm. this podcast together. There's a lot of uh, mutual respect and friendship that we've got over the years. But I do want to get into one thing really quickly um, because it's, there's a follow-up question that's important for me. Did you know specifically when you went to AI that you actually wanted to go straight into environment art? Or because you said you studied game art and design. And I know that school, you're going to take animation. You're going to take live drawing. You're going to take a little baby programming classes. You're going to do some game design, some level design. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I started actually like just because I didn't exactly know, I thought maybe like I'll try kind of like a technical side of things like and go into like BGP Um, at the time. um, I wanted nothing to do with characters like Mm-hmm. I, I was in the same class actually as uh, Frank Sang. He's like a really oh, okay. good friend of mine, yeah. and like the most like badass three D character artist that <laughs> is like in games. Mm-hmm. And so he's a good friend of mine still to this day. Is one of those people I was talking about. But mm-hmm. so I saw the stuff that he was doing. I was like, I want nothing to do with <laughs> anything related to characters at all. So I was like, I'll do environment art. I like that. I like mm-hmm. you know, I like trees and rocks and trash cans <laughs> and stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was just instant love. I think like, I, I think it's kind of, it's kind of weird to say, but like, well, it's not weird to say Bob Ross, like huge inspiration, I think like for environment yeah, artists, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in like a weird kind of subliminal way, like that was always kind of like a part of <laughs> my childhood, I think like having my parents kind of watch it and I would like see them watching them like that's just kind of weird this guy you know he's got some strange hair and i don't know what he's doing but mm. but i think that that played a big, big influence into actually really loving environment so mm. awesome 
it's definitely one of those things that um, you definitely appreciate once you start understanding what environments are. Uh, for me, and this might be totally biased, I feel environment plays a big part in games in terms of just uh, creating the world, but and the technical aspect of it making it run is like essential to games. Not, and that's what kind of differentiates from from the movie pipeline, right? Instead of just a render, it's like all right. Aside from it looking good, you know, it has to work and run. Otherwise, you know, there's no point. Um, with that being said, yeah, the connections with the school. Like one of the best questions that we love asking is, you know, how was your college experience and all that? And uh, even when I look at my Navient or my student loans once in a while, you know, the self-justification tells me like, hey, at least I met friends like Larry to kind of help ease the pain. He, he was my $100,000 friend that I gained <laughs> throughout this three-year experience. Larry, you are worth it. <laughs> you are worth it, Larry. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, he's still here. So is Navient, right? Almost done with that. <laughs> But, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, well, from college onwards, like, um, did you mostly stayed in in California throughout your career? How was that? Like, just did school get better at helping students connect with jobs or was it completely self-motivated? No. (laughs) College college was actually detrimental, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. more than anything. Uh, They were incredibly pushy about, um, trying to get your resume like in places that it didn't really need to be like they would, they would like apply to places kind of for you. And, and that was like something that I didn't, I had to like put a stop to. I was like, Hey, stop sending my resume to people. Like I don't, I don't want to work there. I don't want to move there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they actually, (laughs) once like I started landing jobs, like I started working professionally, like before I graduated and everything. So I was taking on stuff that, was just kind of nice to have some extra cash and then also like, um, be able to kind of build up some experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was really nice. But the second that the school actually caught wind of that, they were just like, they were on it. Like they would go and they'd be like, Hey, like, can we talk to, you know, your employer to like get them to, you know, sign this thing or write an article. And I was like, no, I'm not going to tell you like who my employer is. Like, I can't believe that I have to have this conversation with you, but no, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. um, so they would like hound, they would hound me over that stuff. It was ridiculous. That's yeah. Go ahead. I don't, Out. I don't know if this is true, but apparently one of my friends, they had an AI like employee show up to like an actual place that they worked like a studio and I think that it was like uh, it was Obsidian or Fire Forge, like one of those in Irvine. Mm-hmm. So they were just like, oh, I'll just drive over there. And then be like, hey, yeah, we work at AI. You know, like it was it was weird. But can you let us in? We want to see what he's doing and make sure what is going know. on. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, they just want to take credit for it. They want they want to be able to like get their numbers or whatever. I don't know. But anyways, we can stop bagging on AI. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but, <laughs> It's not even that if we're bagging on AI, we're telling the truth. Like, let's be yeah. honest. You didn't say that they were bad at what they did. You said they didn't help and it was detrimental. And that was actually something you said that was true. Not necessarily that it was an insult, you know? Sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I mean, still though, like I, I have, you know, one of my, one of my really close friends, Travis Castillo is still an instructor over there. He's mm-hmm. an amazing artist. And like, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that like has such a clear vision about like, em- like empowering kids and like yes. giving them the tools that they need to actually be successful. Yes. And I mean, people like him, like they need to hold on to instructors yeah. that are doing good work like Travis. So yeah, um, I owe a lot to him. So I will say this to kind of clear the air between ourselves and AI, but this is going to be a personal stance. My relationship with them is like give take in the sense that like I enjoyed being a student. I had resources, I had instructors, you know, I had an opportunity to really, really learn. It was going to take a lot of personal work as well. Like they weren't just going to give me everything on a silver platter, but I had a good environment to prepare myself for the game industry. I paid a lot of money for it. And then I also taught at AI and then I saw what instructors go through to be instructors. And then I also saw the students like I was a good student, I'll say, but like I now had to deal with students and I saw the like cream of the crop. And then I saw the like, holy mm-hmm. shit, man, mm-hmm. you don't get your shit together. You're just not going to be successful in life mm-hmm. students. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to see the whole thing and Brandon did as well. And so I, my relationship ends up being a, like there's good and there's bad. And I'm not a, I'm not afraid to speak on either. So. Yeah, I, there's many good things that I'll applaud the school for, and then there's many things that I think that they can do better. Yeah, totally. there's a lot of trapped kids that are already locked in. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go straight to the point. It's true. <laughs> there's a lot of kids that are already trapped, which means, you know, if they leave early, they still got to pay right away, you know, their student loan, which is a heavy price because you don't get the, like, nice monthly 10-year plan or whatever, right? Which is a terrible plan. But uh, so it's good to have good instructors there that are at least helping those students like move along and get good education. Right. Um, AI themselves. I know our campus, uh, AI has been going through a lot of problems like AI specifically. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I would imagine uh, some of the schools are 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 having the same issue, right? With the crackdown from the government, AI was like a target mm-hmm. uh, for student loans. You know, they were specifically going for, uh, let's say, certain types of students that needed and would yep. uh, use the loans for education. Mm-hmm. So they cracked down on that. I think that kind of hampered a list, at least the... Um, uh, well, it could be a combination of like the online resources now. It's just plentiful. Mm-hmm. And so the traditional yep. schools did take a hit from that. Uh, uh, in addition to all the, the little scandals that were happening, which is overall yeah. really good, right? It's getting more exposed. There's a lot more info now. Like when we were going to school, I didn't know it was a career. But now I feel like more and more students coming out of high school know it's a thing and more aware of more of the resources so i think we were the necessary test experiment to move this (laughs) along right so um seeing a lot more better skilled students coming out of these schools uh online and traditional uh physical Mm -hmm. schools so overall we were the necessary first step (laughs) to guinea fix to to get to where we are right now uh but yeah uh with that being said this is a loaded question. Uh, here it comes. <laughs> here it comes. We we all had preconceived notions of what it would be like outside of college. And what would it be like to be inside the game industry? How was your feelings going through the game industry and the good and bad? Like, what were your impressions like? 
Oh man. Uh, it's, it's a roller coaster for sure. <laughs> um, you know, the thing that's really cool about my job right now is that I actually travel to like a lot of different devs, um, all around the world, like not even just the ones here in Southern California. And so I get a little slice of kind of what all these different studios, uh, kind of do and how they operate and everything. And that's, that's a huge blessing for me to be able to kind of take that knowledge and kind of go forward in my career, I would say, because mm-hmm. there's always something that you can kind of gain from uh, getting a little bit more perspective from either going to go visit a studio or having friends that work at different studios. And so, um, yeah, I mean, my experience specifically, uh, was something that, uh, I'd say overwhelmingly positive for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't ever a part of like a studio where there was crazy churn and burn or anything like that, like mad layoffs or anything. Um, So I've been very fortunate to be honest. And all of the jobs that I've ever gotten, uh, I technically have really never applied for them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always just like friends that get me in the door. Um, so I, I've been incredibly fortunate. I will say that. Um, and that's just because this, this industry is so small, right? Like yeah. it, it, I'm sure that you guys say this every single week, but it's like, I mean, the fact that like the three of us were all kind of <laughs> like from the same kind of area and everything like that, like when we started in this business, um, like, I mean, it just kind of proves the point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been incredibly fortunate and, you know, I, I hope that I can, kind of continue that. I know I'm in a good place right now. So, I mean, I'm just going to, going to keep that going, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you feel about your opportunities to work on some of the big projects that we're seeing on your art station, you know? So that might've been a dream as a, like you said, you moved out, you packed into your car and you're like, I'm going to make games. And now you get to watch the credits roll by of big AAA titles and see like big franchises that mean something to people, right? There's your name over and over and over. Like, how does that feel? Like, do you feel like you're a success? Do you feel like you still have room to grow? I guess, where's your headspace on that specifically, like your accomplishments? Oh, it never gets old, man. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like it, it truly just, it never gets old for me. Um, I think that my passion for this industry has only increased in, in the time that like I've spent in it. Um, you know, shipping games is something that's obviously incredibly exhilarating. Like finally getting out the door um, is something that's just a huge, uh, huge accomplishment for any person that's able to kind of go through that on any scale of team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like for me, like I think that I just every single year, like I just find more things that I love about this business. Like I think that, like, like, for instance, this will be like my 10th E3 coming up. I love going to Ooh. E3. I absolutely yeah. love going to E3. Yeah. Um, it's like Christmas. It's just Christmas <laughs> in this business. So yeah. um, it's so much fun to be able to. So, yeah, I mean, it's I, I feel. Yeah, I mean, every single year, I feel like it, it's it's awesome to be able to add new things to your resume, add new friends, kind of like mm-hmm. to your network and everything. So, I mean, for me, being in the business has just been even more rewarding year after year after year. So. Man. Have you uh, been to an E3 where one of your games was like the big game and, you know, gone and seen now, you know, that your game is out, but like the marketing for your game is also a hype fest for me where it's sure. like, yeah, look at all these logos and pictures and standees of like the content that I worked on and, you know, rub elbows with people who are talking about, they can't wait to play it, you know, without telling them like, Oh yeah, you know, I worked on that. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that the first one, the first one that was like really crazy for me was working on evolve. Um, Mm -hmm. and like when I went to E3, they had on the top of the LA convention center, they had four V one, uh, in like the, the, the vibrant kind of red text and everything. And then on the floor, I don't know if you guys went that year, but they had the, the Goliath statue that was like, 20, in red from the top. Yeah. yeah, it was just terrorizing. Was I remember crazy. that. That was crazy. Was, yeah. Oh my God. I like, couldn't believe it. Like, I could not believe it. Like, that was the first year for me. Like, when I mean, I knew kind of like going in, like, we had the Game Informer cover and everything mm-hmm. like that. And then I knew that the presence on the floor was going to be massive. Um, but yeah, I think that was that was like the first time for me where I was like, holy shit, like this is this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. If I remember <laughs> so, correctly, that booth was at like a junction point where there was like crossing path traffic from like everybody had to pass mm-hmm. by that booth. Everybody yeah. saw it. Yeah, that was a big year. It was awesome. I yeah. yeah, I mean it it was it was a ton of fun working on that game. I mean, like I mean it, the it was received kind of whatever, but I think that for me, like it was one of those titles that was just incredibly successful like for for me like developing as an artist i got to work with a lot of the guys that were um you know on like the original left for dead team i got uh at Rock studios and so like those guys are just amazing i love there's still like so many people over there that have kind of stayed like through all those cycles and everything yeah. and so they have like some like veteran like og guys that are still there and they're all just amazing people like super fun to work with and they do amazing stuff and so they're going to be doing even more amazing right. stuff like for the years to come. So I can still hear it in your voice, like the authenticity of what you're saying right now. You, you know, some people are like, Oh yeah. And there's legends there. They're going to do great stuff. Like he's saying it with a big smile and like, you can almost feel the emotion that you're exuding as you, as you're giving these people the kudos. I, I, I really like that, man. That's awesome. Definitely shout out to turtle rock. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to turtle rock. Yep. So I want to kind of talk about what you are doing now. So what is the yeah. official, yeah, are you evangelist <laughs> for Quixel? And what does that mean? What are you traveling for? What are you hustling? <laughs> <laughs> hustling hard, man. Uh, no, it's, it's awesome. Oh. So I think evangelist is definitely like, uh, that, would, that would be a good title. Um, <clears throat> my, my business card says pipeline specialist. Oh. So um <laughs> Yes, that's very special, you know, very special. obviously. So, uh, you know, so it's really cool. Um, like I said, I didn't apply for this job or anything. I've known Teddy for years. Mm-hmm. Um, Teddy's the CEO and co-founder of Quixel. Shout so out shout out to Teddy. Um, and so I, I've known those guys for a long time. I've been like a huge proponent of everything that Quixel's done over the last several years. Um, and it's just been really, really kind of cool to see their growth. Um, and just kind of like out of the blue, uh, they, they were, they were in California. Um, and so we went out to dinner and stuff with my last company and (laughs) they kind of like approached me afterwards and they were like, Hey, you should, you should like come work for us. (laughs) (laughs) Totally out in them. And so like, and so I was like, Ooh, like that sounds kind of cool but like i mean i didn't really think anything of it honestly because i was like yeah working for quixel that sounds like something you could do i guess Mm -hmm. but like i didn't i didn't know what the role was going to be they didn't know what the role was going to be um they were just like hey you should just come work for us and we kind of like need someone to kind of be like a evangelist maybe we don't really know what you would do but like you'd probably travel a bunch you'd probably go and like talk to people and i was like 
this sounds this sounds interesting and so like there's a little bit of like a courting process obviously um you know they were (laughs) trying to get me to move away from like a studio gig right where it's like you have benefits and there's a 401k and there's all this stuff um just kind of like the safety net of like working for well safety net in games i guess but like the safety net of like being at a company where there's like real legitimate corporate structure, I would say, uh-huh. I'd say Quixel is very much like still kind of in like this kind of startup phase, like despite uh-huh. the fact they've been around for a while. And that's just because of the size, like there's 60 international employees. Uh-huh. Um, but like the core staff is still very much like focused in Sweden, um, also in Islamabad. And then we have a bunch of people kind of sprinkled all around the globe. So uh-huh. sorry, this is my really, really long way of kind of intro on what I do. Go for but, it, so, so they kind of courted me and they were like, we want you to kind of go and talk to developers, uh, kind of evangelize mega scans, like talk to them about like how it could kind of save them time, save them money, uh, all these different things. And that's like a vision that I truly believe in. Like, frankly, uh, you know, having worked as like an environment lead, I'm painfully aware of schedules, painfully aware of outsourcing budgets and all these different things. And if I could look back at all of these different titles that I'd worked on, um, having access to a library where you could just download anything you wanted mm-hmm. is something that saves you an incredible amount of time. And so for me, like that, it was such an easy kind of sell because um, like I've been a huge proponent of sort of that vision for a long time. And I mean, the, the goal for mega scans is to scan the world like mm-hmm. that. That is the Damn. goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's a statement. And like it super sums up. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a unique vision and Teddy has had this vision for a long time. And that's like kind of the thing that a lot of people actually don't know about Quixel. So if they, if they're familiar with like Quixel at all, they're probably familiar with the fact that like Quixel made tools, right. That made artists lives better kind of mm-hmm. earlier on. So they had Endu and Dedu and then what became the suite and all these different things. Um, but the fact is, is that Teddy's actually been developing scanners for a long time. Like you guys kind of talked to him on the podcast about. Mm-hmm. So um, that's really, really cool. And it's kind of shaped the way that he's made every decision that's kind of got us to this point now. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because like that vision is just continuing to expand. And like we're just adding more and more people that are helping us kind of reach that goal. And it's it's just a super exciting time of the company. So all I have to say, basically what I do is I go and I, I go to like different developers kind of talk about mega scans. I go to different conventions. I talk to people, I give speeches. I was just at unreal fest in Berlin, gave a presentation uh, at unreal fest, which is awesome. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be doing some live streaming coming up here soon. So like, we're going to be doing a lot of that with me and Victor kind of on Twitch doing some really kind of cool, like, sketch night type things like with mega scans and mixer and unreal and all this type of stuff. So I kind of fill a bunch of different roles, but primarily what I do is I go and I talk to people that are actually using mega scans. So it's mm. awesome. Man. So how often, what's, what's your monthly kind of view, like in a nutshell, like how much are you traveling? Where are you going man? And uh, like, what, what, how long are these stays and stuff? Like, how's that? So I just got back uh, from a trip in Europe. So I was I was actually in Sweden, Germany, Poland, and Denmark. So Shit. I was out there for two weeks, uh, traveling to a bunch of different places, uh, talking to developers, 
working with the team in Sweden, that's where Crystal's based. Uh, that's where kind of HQ is. Um, so doing that. And then one of the big things, like I was sort of saying, was going to Unreal Fest and kind of being at that event, which is amazing. Um, and so then like at the end of this month, I'm going to Venice and then the UK. So I'm going to be doing another speech um, for like architectural visualization uh, mm-hmm. conference, actually, because that's another like big kind of footing for Megascans, actually, is ArcVez. Um so, I mean, like travel for me is, uh, is very much part of the gig. Like that's, that was kind of the thing that they kind of told me up front. They said, Hey, like you're going to be going around all over the place. Um, we want Southern California to be your hub, obviously, because a lot of Quixel's business is in SoCal. Um, and so that's why I'm here. And that's why they hired me specifically to do what I do. I'm in this region. They know me. I have lots of friends over here. It just, it was kind of an easy fit, but I mean, I'm going to be at all the major conferences pretty much throughout the year, like for anything related to games or anything related to just development. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're breaking into more kind of enterprise type stuff. So like Unreal Build events, talking about ArchViz, you know, talking about uh, anything yeah. related to enterprise at all. So I'm going to be all over the place. So I think the Quixel Suite is going to absolutely kill it in ArchViz. Like that is, I think that is a lane that you guys could seriously dominate. Uh, games obviously as well like the integration there is good but I obviously I know like I think of games like there's a lot of people who are doing like cartoony 2D mm-hmm. such. like there's a lot of different art styles that I know that like may not take full advantage of the tools that you guys put together mm-hmm. but I can't see a single person trying to do visualization for something in real life that's going to exist soon mm-hmm. that would not just like drool at the mouth to have you know access to what you guys have been scanning and you know just be able to see it a lot faster this is not a commercial, by the way. I just, I'm familiar <laughs> with the tools enough that, like, I'm saying, I see these two lanes being very profitable together, is all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 As you're saying that, I'm checking our bank account. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I think yeah. just to touch on one thing that you said, though, one thing that's really cool is that we actually have a lot of developers now that are kind of approaching us and saying, mm-hmm. hey, like, we really like what Megascans offers, um, but we're kind of making like a more stylized game. Like, mm-hmm. can you? kind of talk to us about what that would look like. And so we're actually working with a couple of developers and we're going to be able to kind of announce this stuff soon um, that are doing stuff that is like very stylized, right? But they're using mega scans and they're taking advantage of, like I was saying, having a library, having a jumping off point for anything. If you're going to build everything from scratch every single time you make a game or a film or whatever, right? Good luck, bro. <laughs> good luck. Even though I had nothing to do with what you just said, I'm going to somehow take credit for that yeah. not being part of the episode. <laughs> Teddy's like sitting there. Work. He's looking at the decision. It's like, hey, all right. So take our mega scan, go in Photoshop, do the cutout filter, <laughs> stylize, son. Done. Give me your money. That's exactly it. Apply mosaic to a couple of layers. Yeah, that. exactly. All day, man. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean that sounds exciting. I mean, I'm gonna assume Galen, you look like a very young guy. Uh, traveling is like one of the best things you can do. Uh, I feel like, and it's unless you're working at various companies outside of the United States, you know, for a number of years, you know we are very tied down to very certain areas of the States. Yeah. If you want to maintain a long-term job. So having this type of opportunity is really cool because you can get your traveling done and you can get your work done, which is uh, mm-hmm. something that we're very jealous of. <laughs> like it's so cool. So um, 
how long do you usually stay uh, in terms of, let's say you're doing a speech or a conference? How much of that time do you get to yourself that you can just walk around and enjoy the city and, and stuff like that? I think, yeah, it totally depends on the type of trip. Um, so the thing is, it's like when I'm traveling with a lot of like the team specifically, mm-hmm. um, that just turns into work all the time. Mm-hmm. Even if we're like out and doing something, right? Like it'll just be like, we're talking, we're having meetings, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> wherever we're at. Um, like for, so for instance, like Teddy and Thomas actually came out to SoCal before GDC. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were out here for a few days and we went to Disneyland for like one of those days, obviously, <laughs> as you do, obviously uh, when, when a bunch of Swedes get off the plane, they're like, Oh, you live next yeah. to Disneyland. Yeah. We're going to go there. So, <laughs> so, we, and like the entire time we're at Disneyland, we're sitting there talking about mega scans. You know what I mean? Like, we're just like planning, we're like yeah. writing in like our, our Google keep ads and stuff. Like that. <laughs> All right, so we got to make sure we called so-and-so tomorrow, set up that meeting. It's just like, you're at Disneyland. Like, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, so depending on the trip, right? Like depending yeah. on where I'm at and depending if I'm traveling by myself, that's another kind of factor. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to Venice as, as an example, like I'm going to be going to Venice by myself. So mm-hmm. with that, like I'm going to be able to have kind of a lot of time, I'd say like outside of the conference mm-hmm. uh, to kind of do what I want to do inside of Venice, which mm-hmm. doesn't suck. Um, right. And uh, and same for the UK actually. So I'll be traveling to like a bunch of studios out there. I have five nights in London. So I'll, you're hanging out. Nice. nice. <laughs> Hit me up if you're in London. <laughs> nice. Just bill it to Teddy. I can totally see you guys. <laughs> I can yep. totally see you guys like writing the it's a small world. It's like, yeah, that's the country that we need to conquer. <laughs> that was the country we need to hit up. Checklist. It's just a checklist. Let's do this. But yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it sounds like there's plenty of things to do if you're trying to uh, map out the whole world. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Google Maps at some point hit you guys up <laughs> to kind of just up their, up their 3D thing. Yeah, but uh, Maybe. Maybe, right? <laughs> I, see, I'm hitting all Another the points. <laughs> I'm a conspiracy theorist, dude. So, beyond, so you guys are obviously talking to, well, you specifically are talking to a lot of studios. And without going into any details... Like, how are you seeing the industry moving towards? I mean, you guys are playing a big force. You guys are a big motivator here for how we should go. So in terms of tech, it could be environment art, just the process of things. Like, what changes are you seeing that's going to be pretty exciting in the next five years or or ten years? So so you were at GDC also this year, yeah? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, the thing, the thing is, is that my biggest takeaway from walking around the show floor this year is that, I mean, for what I do, right. As an environment artist by trade, I'm walking around the show floor and I'm looking at the stuff that's going on. It's like, man, if you're not a tech artist mm-hmm. right now, it's going to be rough to kind of keep your job in a few years, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. if you don't have that tech edge, like it's going to be really, really hard, I think. Um, and the reason that I say that is because I mean, just the quality of titles is improving every single day, right? Like every single production cycle or console cycle that we go through, right? Like devs are getting better and faster and more efficient and they're finding new ways to kind of do things, cut corners, uh, make improvements to whatever it is that they're doing. And so, I mean, like, I think that the future honestly is like, I mean, it's easy for me to say like scanning, I think is a part of it for sure. 
Um, but I think it's kind of like the marriage of scanning and like procedural. So scanning procedural and like, uh, all types of things like, uh, side effects, like the Houdini guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's, that's hundred percent like the future for modeling, for level design, for all these different things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the marriage of proceduralism and scanning, I think is like, at least for like photo real type stuff. I think that's, that's really where it's at. I think the days of, you know, having level, I don't know, uh, level designer or not level designers, like world artists or something like that. Kind of sit there and place rock piles in cracks and stuff like that, or up next to stairs. I think that's going to be a thing of the past eventually. So, um, I guess if you guys haven't seen anything that like the side effects guys are doing like that, you should go and check those guys out because they're, they're changing everything. So yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like you guys are definitely getting closer to, well, technically it's probably most likely the make art button is, is here. So if you're not are doing anything else, but making pretty art, I do see that being an issue. It's already in some, you know, if you're working at Stu, you're already seeing that the guys who are very technical are the guys that are the most valued, right? And um, mm-hmm. it's one of those skills that is necessary because we work in a very technical uh, industry where we have to make things run before making it look good. Um, and the studios mm-hmm. that only focus on making it look good are the ones who have trouble making the game run, right? So sure. Yeah, that's what I saw at GDC too. Like Houdini guys, the side effect guys are are definitely pushing the change. That is mm-hmm. slowly spilling out to a lot of the studios. And when I first, you know, I have very amateur level of playing around with Houdini. But when I first touched it, just a, a little glimpse of playing around with it, I was like, oh my God, this is like a totally different way of <laughs> of thinking about this. And we've yeah. been in the industry for a while. So if you can't wrap your head around that or at least embrace that change, you're going to have a lot of trouble in the next few years. Um, yeah. Not understanding that. So does this scare you, Larry, as a designer? Yeah, <laughs> like I what? Say, it sucks for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, to me, it's, <laughs> well, to me, the technical stuff is for the artist, but it leaves more room for creativity. Honestly, you're sitting there figuring out how to make this thing fun more than like um, sitting there how to make it look good and then fun. So, well, what's interesting from, I guess my perspective is it probably is worthwhile to at least, even if I don't know how to execute the things that these softwares are capable of, at least watching the software demo reels or some of the tech demos to show off what the capabilities are, because that just lets me know that the boundaries aren't as close to home as I thought. Right. Like Hmm. when you're only used to what you're currently capable of or what your studio is currently capable of and you're not investigating what things are coming, you know, on the horizon or or on the or on the way, you know, by way of, you know, side effects, Quixel, any of these companies that are putting together great team, great tools or great things. I can now say like, oh, wait, you know, that thing that was going to be really, really hard last generation. We might be able to do that pretty easy coming up. So, yes. AI system management is getting way better thanks to these technology updates. So I'm going to try to make like an updated game, like a dynasty warriors that has 400 and AI with all their own commands, all their own mm. influences, all their own wants and needs, all beating the crap out of each other. Like I can start pitching ideas like that now because there will be solutions in place that will help me <sighs> deliver what used to be unrealistic, you right. know? So mm. As the designer, I can say to all of the designers out there, it is definitely worth the time to at least watch 
the demonstration videos and see what's coming because it could let you know that like, wow, I can now start thinking in new spaces because our team using different technology can pull off some of the stuff that we never would have even thought trying before, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing too, is like the, the, the studios and the projects that I've been a part of that have actually afforded artists and designers and engineers the time to actually have like real pre-production time mm-hmm. is like, that's one of the most valuable things that you could kind of have like in a, in a cycle to be able to wrap up a game and then to everybody kind of have like a postmortem, take a step back and be like, okay, let's look at the things that worked. Let's look at the things that didn't work. Let's look in, you know, cause when you're in development and you're rushing towards like the, the, the end date, right? Like you're not paying attention to like the announcements that are happening in GDC or anything like that. It's like, mm-hmm. it does not matter if something earth shattering came out if you're three months away from like shipping your game. And so like being able to like take a, a fresh breath at that time and say, Hey, like let's retool some of the things that we're doing and actually figure out if we can be more efficient. Those are the best like teams and best projects that I've been a part of. So. Yeah, I like that. Well, speaking about games and teams and things that you can do with technology, I have something that I can do with this technology that's actually really, really fun. And I would love to play this game I designed with you. It's really quick. It's called The Fast Five. Would you like to play this game? Let's do it. All right. So how the game works is very simple. I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions. And all I need from you, Galen, in return is five rapid fire answers. And I'm hoping that you can set the high score tonight. So question number one. Can you name a game world that you would love to visit in real life? Hyrule. Oh, that's Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. There you go. Question number two. If you could hire any game character to be your bodyguard, which one would it be? Kratos. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> Question. I'm going to come back to that at the end of this. Question number three. Name a game artist that you look up to the most. Hmm. There's so many. Uh, Frank Zang. Frank Zang. Another shout out to Frank. Uh, Question number four. What's your favorite way to unwind after work? Ooh. Be outside, I think. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Not yeah. being on screen. It doesn't matter what it is. Just being outside, I think. Like having <laughs> the sky over your head is something that's yeah. important. <laughs> At midnight, just stand outside. Just you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's only, it's, you'd be surprised. <laughs> All right. And the last question comes to you from the guest that we interviewed right before you, Mr. Derek Liu. He wants to know, how would you design a creepy Watson cat game? Are you, familiar with, Watson? Are you familiar with creepy Watson? No, I'm not. Oh, Bring it down for him. Well, that's the thing is like, I remember when we did the episode and he was explaining, I was like, yeah, I totally know how I'm going to break this down. For the next well, let me, let me try <laughs> breaking it down. So creepy Watson <laughs> yeah. was like, a like, it felt like a bug, right? It can't, went kind of viral where, uh, you know, there's, it's a reference to Sherlock Holmes and Watson, right? So in that game, okay. you're playing as Sherlock in first person view, but every time you turn, there's a bug where Watson always appears suddenly and in a yeah. creepy way as part of the gameplay, right? It was like a cheat that they did, but it just turned out super creepy. So that yeah. was, uh, mm. that was the reference. Thank you. So that so in mind. He was ex- 
So we were teasing that, you know, like it's kind of like a cat where you can like walk through the house and then you turn around then your cat's right there looking down at you. And then you move and go to another room, you turn around and then your cat's right there looking at you. So if you could take like a 40 second stab at designing a fun game based on a cat acting like creepy Watson, what would you say could be a cool way that a cat would chase you around an environment in a creepy Watson style? Like for what thing or for what purpose? I mean, I think this should just be DLC for Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, what I, mean? oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I think I think that's all all you really need because that that's basically all Five Nights at Freddy is, right? Like yeah, yeah. if you just if you're in rooms or whatever, and then things get closer and closer. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think I think that's that's all I got. I don't know. That's just oh, that's a good, good enough. answer. <laughs> that's good enough, especially for Fast Five, where like it's supposed to be a quick. So I do want to go back. Yo, if Kratos was your bodyguard. A hundred percent, man. hundred percent. I mean, I know I'm a little shit. biased because like I just worked on it, but it's like, yeah, if I was going to pick anybody, like he's the dude. So do not harm my friend, boy. <laughs> boy. <laughs> and boy, put down that gun, boy. <laughs> hey, man, give me your money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, the new Kratos is oh, awesome. It's really awesome. It's good to see him so refined and he still rages, right? Like he's still got the Kratos rage, but he's got oh, a yeah. son to look after. So he has to do it in a dadly way. Like he has to catch yeah. himself sometimes, you know, it's, it's yeah, fun yeah. to see him. Yeah. The dad of war. Yeah. The dad, dad of war. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> How much fun did you have working on that project? Seriously? Like to see them come back and to really like say, look, we're going to reboot this thing. We've got some new ideas. We're dealing with new mythology. So therefore we can take way more creative Liberty with some of the art and do stuff that we haven't done before. Or haven't even touched, you know what I mean? Lots of symbolism and iconography. That's completely different. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they're like rebooting everything from the visuals to the story. And it had to have been a great time to be a part of that project. Can you take me through what some of your experiences were? Well, I can tell you, that definitively like as far as any game that I've ever worked on, this is mm-hmm. the most like dream fulfillment type title that oh, I've wow. ever been a part of. And that's simply because like, I've been a God of War fan forever. <laughs> um, like I remember so clearly like in high school, like when I saw God of War one for the very first time, mm-hmm. we were like in my friend's basement. He's like, dude, come check this game out. Like you're this crazy angry guy and you can like, <laughs> you know, slay hydras and kill gods and stuff i was like what sounds crazy um and so yeah i mean like working on this game for me like from the second that i knew i was going to be a part of it like i think it it got super real for me where i was like oh shit like i gotta get good (laughs) like (laughs) because because i knew that like the 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 bar you know that they were going to be setting was something that was just going to be like totally defining for this console generation as far as like what they needed to actually put on screen. And so the thing is, is like, this is the type of title, like as an artist, that is the best type of title to be a part of. And the reason I say that is because there's lots of games that have been a part of lots of uh, productions um, that have been attached to you where like, you're not really afforded like the time to do the things that like artists really want to do. Right. Mm-hmm this was that game. (laughs) It's like, Oh, how long is it going to take you to sculpt that rock? Yeah. We'll give you that time. We need that time to sculpt that rock. Um, That rock was badass rock. You better take that time to sculpt that rock. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing, man. So like everything that I was like working on this game, every single piece of art that like I did for it, 
it all like went through ZBrush and went through like a, a crazy substance painter pass, like all these different things. And their layered shader in their engine is amazing. So, I mean, like it was just, this is the, the quintessential art artists project. I feel like to be a part of, because I mean, they just wanted the greatest yeah. visual that, I mean, like it was, it was so cool to be a part of. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it totally was like a dream fulfillment type thing for me. And also again, like being around people that are just so crazy talented, um, it just makes it incredibly real. I think to, to be like, Oh man, like I, I gotta be as good as that guy. You know what I mean? Like I have to really make sure that I stay super late to get it done. You know, God of war is art station, the game, right? Like yeah. every single place that you look, the lighting, the environment art, the character art, every piece of it was just so damn polished. Uh, it's, it's, it's also frustrating to be like a different developer. Who's like, Thank you. Customer expectations are super high now. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, yeah, that's... I mean the thing, and like, I mean, yeah, I think that they they just really wanted to to make something that was just completely special and unique from anything that they've done in the past or anything that's actually out right now. And I think yeah. that they really delivered on that vision. And I think that that's just because the people that are there and like the people that were a part of it and like the vision that they had was just it was perfect. Like I think that. Yeah they assembled like this dream team of like people, um, you know, that were kind of in management and everything. And then all that trickles down, you know? Yeah. So, um, it was just amazing. Like, and <laughs> I mean, I crunched harder on that project than I've ever crunched for a single title ever. Like, I think the entirety of the time that I was working on that project, like I just, I didn't have a life, like I had zero time to do anything else or anything. But like, the, like I said, the reason for that was because, like we all wanted to make something that was really, really great. Like, I think mm-hmm. that if you didn't have people next to you that were also like pushing the bar every single week, then yeah, it'd be super easy to be like, all right, well it's six. I'm going to go home. You know, mm-hmm. that never happens. Like, it, you know, the people I was working with and the deadlines that we had and like the types of things that we wanted to achieve. I mean, it, it made it possible. So, I mean, it was, it was cool. Damn. What was your defining moment on that project? I would say just the one thing that you kind of will change you for the rest of your life because of your participation on that. It, is there one main thing that like above all else of all the things that you bring with you, the one that like, yeah, I learned that X. Well, I think like the the big thing for me was that, I mean, the zones that I was like a part of, it was basically like, me primarily and one other artist like but it was the two of us right like that was we had like help every once in a while from like other people and then like Sin Monica has like a dedicated like lighters lighting lighting team and everything um and then obviously people to hook in all the combat and all the encounter stuff but um as far as like art is concerned like the zones that I was attached to the thing that's really cool is that they basically kind of give artists like total ownership over uh, you know, like the specific area that they were a part of. So, um, and I should, I should like clarify all this by the way. So I was working in like in an X dev capacity. So like, uh, you know, so I was not like an, a Sony Santa Monica employee, but like our studio was kind of helping out in collaboration, like on a very, like, like small section of the game. And so we were, but I was dedicated to that project exclusively. So it was me, um, Cordell Felix was the other environment artist that I was working with good friend of mine he's like kind of like the the, the vibe with you you and uh brandon larry it's mm-hmm. it's really cool because like he and i went to school together 
Um, you know, we, we worked at a bunch of different jobs together and everything. So we've built up all this kind of chemistry together as artists. Um, and so, yeah, working with him was super easy, obviously, because we've known each other for a long time. We can depend on each other. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was great. So it's definitely, I'm, I'm glad that the game itself, um, it's doing really well. It's it, it's it reminds me like we said like I love the PS2 era games. Like that's what I, I grew up on. That's what got me really hooked into the game industry. Uh, there was just so many games that was uh, PlayStation exclusive during that time uh, that I feel like the PS4 is starting to climb back into that groove a lot. Like lately, yeah. we've been hearing you know a lot of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, they got a war PS4. Everyone's like, all right, I think I need to get a PS4. It's like, all right, we're kind of climbing back to that state of triple a titles where like all right now i gotta really pay attention to this console um and and, and be exclusive to it because these games are just killing it because the xbox Mm -hmm. games aren't (laughs) i don't want to have a rough go man (laughs) i don't want to get business political right but let's just be honest you got horizon zero dawn you have uncharted you have uncharted's dlc you have I mean, the Order 1886 ended up being another exclusive as well, obviously. I mean, we're not going to talk about mishaps or anything. I'm just going to stack the deck on one side, and then we're going to do it for the other. What else do we have? Um, Gran Turismo 5. Gran Turismo, that series in general, is another PlayStation exclusive. Uh, shit, what else is coming out new? For, for PlayStation? Sony? Yeah, for PlayStation. Uh, Last Days of Us. Gone. Last of Us, Days Gone. Uh, come on, Detroit comes out next Detroit week. Detroit is coming out soon. pretty soon. Yeah. You can get the demo right now, actually, for free on PlayStation Plus, but you didn't hear that from me. So I'm almost out of <laughs> fingers on two hands to talk about PlayStation exclusives, right? Now, let's do the same thing for Xbox. Okay, ready? <laughs> I can't you know think I mean? of anything. <laughs> there are two I, major franchises like Halo. Yeah. You know, Gears of War Halo. just finished. That that didn't make too many waves. According to Walmart, yeah. sure. Halo hasn't been super quiet. I haven't been hearing from them, uh, but I won't get into. Hey too man, much. I yeah. I saw that they were doing an update to Combat or not Combat Evolved, their Master Chief Collection, four years after it released, actually. So so Halo is not totally dead. Right, right. Update. Oh, oh man. <laughs> They're trying to like they're trying to save stay relevant. <laughs> like the, it's, the bad release that they had four years ago now. So. Right, right, right. I don't know. It's, they're they're certain. I think they're just ready to move on. Honestly, in this scenario, they need to move on. But uh with that being no said, no one's buying the Xbox One X, nobody and this isn't to hate on Microsoft. I think right. look, Microsoft the gamers are speaking, man. Like Sony is really spending a lot of money. They're elevating a lot of talent into the position to create incredible works of entertainment and art. And people are appreciating it with their greenbacks, right? Like yeah. they're, they're buying playstations in droves, you know, it's true. Yeah. I don't want Microsoft to fail. I want Microsoft to do well as well. Yes. Because mm-hmm. I like the competition between Sony yes. and Microsoft. It's I don't necessary. want one of them to win. Yeah, I want them both yeah. to keep fighting. So anyway, well, yeah, I mean, I just mean, having you know like healthy competition between like yeah. the different you know yep. publishing branches is always a good thing. It just more jobs to, for devs, more yeah. games for consumers. Right, quality keeps going up, so yep. it's good. Well, to roll that into our topic, which is you know the competition being competitive, obviously Mega Scans is going to be better and better. People. are are going to adopt it more into their pipeline. You're going to have great looking games, right? No doubt. Artists, 
out there are going to be killing it as usual. All right. Looking at Larry right now. So it's going to be up to the design like anything else to really differentiate from the competition. Right? And we're talking about game specific, not just, you know, a good looking environment uh, render. Right. So games mm-hmm. and implementing that into their system. Have you found, and this could be a Larry question too, like with this, ability to create good looking things at your disposal like what what's going to be the next step besides relying on artists um and this goes to both of you and this is pretty relevant to both of you guys what do you think the next evolution for for high fidelity graphic AAA titles here mostly who do you want to go first do you want me to go first Either you know, people hear from me all the time. I, I okay. talk to <laughs> let's, let's give you some spotlight, Galen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I think the thing that's kind of crazy right now is I feel like from a design perspective, like we've already kind of reached this. I, I think it's almost unimaginable kind of level for like the, the amount of content that's kind of going into games from a design perspective. Mm-hmm. There are so many games that I fire up like Horizon Zero Dawn as an example, right? There is no chance that I'm going to complete every single thing in Horizon Zero Dawn. There's no chance. Like, I don't have the time. Like, I don't have the time for it at all. Um, You know, I look at, like, Assassin's Creed or any of these types of games at all. Like, the systems that design has built to, like, understand, like, how, like, all these different quests kind of tie into each other, how they are all dependent on, like, various levels of, like, progression and that type of stuff. I mean, that stuff blows my mind. It totally blows my mind from a design perspective. Um, so for like open world games and like those types of like big budget type things, like I feel like, I mean, it's, it sounds weird to say, but I feel like we've kind of hit like this really huge milestone. I think like as, as an industry, I mean, I, I have no idea where it goes from here. I think like uh, Detroit and the type of stuff they're doing with that, I think, you know, that's just really like kind of taking like a small cross section of that, you know, and sort of, uh, narrowing down like story, I think like from a design perspective and like really telling interesting stories that can branch, you know, in all these different ways. Um, so, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine like increasing the quality of something, uh, like, like an Assassin's Creed game in the same way that like a Detroit game is kind of telling story. Right. Because that just, that just turns into like a multi bazillion dollar game that no one will ever be able to experience everything. So I don't know. I mean, I, that's a long way of saying I, I don't no idea. So, sure. well, I'll take a stab at it. I say that the chase for graphical fidelity, even though like even your whole company is kind of based around making it easier to chase graphical fidelity, or at least to implement and to work with things that are going to look better and to produce better results so that we don't have to make it by hand the same way that we used to. That's something that I definitely mm-hmm. appreciate where I think we could make a major jump though, is that like, I'm just really excited about AR VR and Mm -hmm. seeing everything that we've learned in doing flat 3d transition into, you know, actual like stereoscopic 3d where Mm -hmm. I can look around, I can perceive depth depth with my own eyes. I can perceive space and distance with my own eyes and not a picture of a 3d environment that has depth and spatial distance and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm still very excited to see, how professional developers like AAA, like whatever level of development, but just with the tools and the ability to create something so beautiful that we do right now in PS4 and Xbox one, 
to do that in AR or VR platforms. I'm really excited. Like, let's say three, four years from now, I have a feeling that if I'm rich and like, I don't need money anymore, I'm just going to have my VR room with my headset on and I'm going to be the most badass rogue in some sort of fantasy VR online. Wow. To the VR, like whatever that ends up being, it's going to be super awesome. And when I look at my hands, I'm going to see all my gear. Like I'm, I'm just really excited to see where that goes. And I think that that's, I'm not saying that that's the thing. I'm just saying I'm excited to follow that chase. Right. Uh, personally. Yeah. Hmm. I definitely agree to that. Like with all the, like what you guys are doing, mega scans, um, it's going to speed up a lot of production. It's going to, uh, you know, require less. Well, in some cases, less artists to recreate that type of art by hand. Right. Well, that's like drag and drop, but like anything else, when things become easier, you know, we still want to overproduce. So that's the thing that I am afraid of. Um, not not against Megascan or anything. This is more like producer type. Like, all right, so it's this much easier to create this, right? So it's much faster now. Now we can create 10,000 more levels. And uh, that transition is always a tricky part. So then the focus would be then to take all this uh art that is very easily integrated into our pipeline how do we push it to to mega level <laughs> pretty much what we're thinking about it could be open world it could be assassin's creed just yeah. looking better uh and faster but then it's like more and more design system because we have so, we still have the same three to five years to develop this game so if we're not spending that time yeah. to make all these trees and rocks and stuff because we can just go ahead and use megascan what are our artists doing what are they, you know, are they being more creative? Are they going to help with the design more, like become more of more, more world builders and help design, design spaces more so than being. I would imagine, corner. I'll just say this real quick. I would imagine the other producer who yeah. likes spend time in production, I would say, Hmm, if we're going to build this game and this tool makes it easier, we don't need as many artists. Yeah. As yeah. Well. Yes. <laughs> That's what that I could also be the other way. That could be the other way too. It's like, I'm Not a producer. So yeah. I don't, I don't say that in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think like the thing is, is that I, I think that uh, it allows artists to, to be more creative and like spend yeah. time on the things they actually want to spend time on. So the other part of like my role is I get to mess around with mega scans a lot mm-hmm. um, and like mess around with mixer and uh, like the bridge integration that we have with unreal. And so like, I've been making all like these kind of cool scenes kind of recently, just in the last week. Um, there's like falling in love with art again, just like being able to make mm-hmm. stuff that's not like attached to like a, a project or anything like that. It's just for me and doing it because I really want to do it and get more familiar with the product, obviously. But um, I mean, I think it's just allowed me to kind of spend more time in like the things and just create crafting, like what I would say is like a story, right? Like right. when you're building an environment, like you're crafting a story. Um, and so I think that's like the coolest thing about kind of being able to not have to worry about like all the things that you wouldn't, you would typically have to worry about like in a production cycle, right? Like there, it just cuts out a lot of the, the bullshit that you typically have to do like in a production cycle. So mm-hmm. I don't know. And uh, just to help all the other artists out there save face, here's one thing I can say. You still need to know how to compose a scene. You still need to know how to make things look good. Like you can't just have all this beautiful stuff and then think the job is done. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you're still going to be needed, right? Like if you gave the average person the most 
like the most awesome tasting ingredients ever, but they don't know how to cook there. You can't just eat the ingredients. You, you know right. what I mean? Like you, it still takes the artisans craft and the, the eye to be able to say, okay, now with all these great things that I've been able to make so easily, let me arrange this beautiful scene. Let me create this great composition that is balanced, that has, mm. you know, a presence and it will really leave an impact on this very emotional moment where Kratos tells his son, you are hunting deer. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I think the other that? thing for us yeah. is that uh, like the way that we, we kind of think about mega scans is like, it's a jumping off point for any artist. Right. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you're kind of doing in a production cycle, like the way that I see mega scans using the best is use the best is basically like, Oh, all right. So I'm going to texture this thing using substance painter or substance designer. How can I leverage scan data like in, in the part of that? Or mm-hmm. if I'm a world builder, like how can I make variations of like the different types of assets the Megascans offers mm-hmm. that kind of create like new prefabs or new ways of kind of uh, building out worlds, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think of it very much as a jumping off point as opposed to just taking the best things that you have at your disposal and all just throwing them into a scene together. Right. So. Yeah. Definitely, you know, just for the producers out there, <laughs> don't, don't be axing out artists. But like, this is what this is the change that I saw, right? So Unreal Unity, they're making it a lot easier for uh, different disciplines to kind of mix and, and learn different mm-hmm. facets, right? So I've seen this as an environment artist a lot. You know, Unreal Four makes it so much easier for me to look at Blueprint, but more so like the designers going there becoming world builders right taking our assets and kind of clumping things together which is a great start and i definitely love that collaboration right the things that i usually see that becomes a problem is like oh okay i'm a level designer right let's just use larry but not larry specifically to say hey larry i'm look at these art i see what you guys do in there you're world building i can make a level give me your asset and they just clump things together and this is where kind of we're tying back to what galen was saying where it is important especially for environment artists to be technical because if anyone has ever delivered a level before you can't ship a level by clumping assets together and thinking it's all cool all those draw calls overdraw all those things you got to be mindful so with megascans especially you have all these scan data you have to look at those ingredients like larry was saying and be able to mix those together and be efficient right it's so easy and it can get very um messy really fast if you're just going in there and slapping things together, you still got to be the technical aspect of things and balancing the whole game to make things run. In the end, it has to run, right? So that's that's the challenge as an artist using all of these data is to be able to see the full production of things and not just the beginning creative part. It's like, all right, how do I make this tie together and not kill it because environment mm-hmm. guy especially you're you're a manager essentially of assets more so than just a producer of assets so hopefully that just lends to more creative games without having to like sit there and like galen sitting there with a rock all day is <laughs> like no let's build a level out and just play through it and just like let's pay attention yeah. to the parts that players would pay attention to yeah Hey, I make good rocks. Yeah, <laughs> your your rock rocks. But yeah. let's Teddy's like, let's just scan that. <laughs> yeah, he laughed at the rocks that I made, so he's yeah. like, "Oh, that's cute." 
<laughs> Let me take a picture. As, as, drive, as you guys are driving by on lunch, he's like, look, there's your asset. <laughs> like pointing it out the window. <laughs> Pretty much. No, he would point out and say, hey, look, there's a better one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, Galen, I'm looking down at my phone timer and it says we've been podcasting for an hour and some change. So what that means is you have successfully completed the trial of podcast and your achievement reward is you get to talk directly to our audience and shout out, promote, broadcast, or raise awareness for something very near and dear to your heart, something you're excited in, you're involved in, or just something you think needs a little more attention. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. I feel like this entire podcast has been like a giant mega scans ad. So I feel like I can't say mega scans. That's all good. <laughs> I'm going to say all the same things that I already said. Um, no, I, I think I want to give it like a shout out to like a, a specific person. Uh, I had an art director at my last company uh, named Koi mm-hmm. and uh, Koi Benadigan. Uh, and he was actually let go from his job yesterday. And um, wow. he's an incredibly talented uh, director and um, he and I went through several cycles together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just kind of a shout out to him, honestly, uh, just because I owe a lot to him as far as like my professional development and everything. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's my shout out. So shout out to Koi. Sorry to hear about the uh, unfortunate situation and uh, you know, you'll land on your feet. He's as good as, you know, we know he'll find a new place to be brilliant oh he's gonna be fine yeah he's gonna be totally fine yeah <laughs> Shit. well uh damn usually i have a rhyme but i guess not this time i'm larry charles i'm saying good night this is brandon fam i'll see you guys next week i swear there was three of us <laughs> me <laughs> see ya <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.